Well, good morning, good morning, everybody. It's good to be together with you guys. Uh, it's wonderful to be worshiping Christ this morning and just love the songs that ECI picked that we could just sing to Jesus this morning to, to focus our hearts and, and minds on him. Um, I'm kind of surveying the room, looking around at, at who's out here, uh, just, just checking you guys out. Hope that's not awkward. Um, it is only if I'm looking directly at you. Uh, can't, can't see you guys at home, but so glad that you're here with us today. And, you know, before uh, we get started, I, I, was, I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about this opportunity we have to be together. And one of the things that I have a, a love-hate relationship with church is, is, uh, is, is these gatherings are meant to be so personal. Right? I mean, every word that I'm about to share and every, every verse we're about to read from the scripture, um, you know, I don't think there's a better way to share scripture than just one-on-one, just sitting down or one-on-two, one-on-three, where, where you, you share it, you talk about it, you learn it. Um, and so that's one of the things that I, I kind of hate about preaching uh, because I wish, it, it, you know, we could just be together. But what a blessing that we can all come, we can all hear these words and process them and go out in our families and talk about it. And so I guess that's one challenge I have for you is, is whatever verses we read today, make sure you, you talk about this when you leave and think about it. And uh, I'm so glad uh, for, for all of you that I have met personally, you know, and I think that's why I value so much the opportunity we have to do small groups. I know some of you guys just doing Bible studies and community groups over the years or just the little conversations we have. Uh, I just met someone in the men's room right now. So you never know when you're going to meet somebody new at Grace, all right? So this is, this is meant to be personal, and it's a, a blessing that we can gather uh, and share these things personally. Well, uh, we're beginning a new series called The God of Provision. And uh, last week, Pastor Eddie kicked this series off, and he talked about how God's provided for us a purpose. Uh, and, and see, before we were Christians, we lived for ourselves. We were selfish, and we lived for ourselves. But in Christ, when we meet Christ as our Lord and as our Savior, we live to love and serve God and to serve one another. And that's the purpose that flows out of a heart that knows God. It says, God, I see how you've loved me, how you've redeemed me, and God, I want to know you, I want to love you, and I want to serve others. And that becomes our heart's desire. And not to love each other with a worldly type of love, but to love each other with a godly type of love. See, worldly love is based on our judgments of others, or it's transactional based, right? And let me explain what I mean. It's worldly love is very much, well, you've done this for me, and that feels good, so I want to do this for you. You make me feel good, you make me happy, so I want you to be happy too. Or other people esteem you. I've noticed that other people think highly of you for one reason or another, so I should think highly of you as well, which is, by the way, why we're always so concerned as people of what other people think about us, right? Because nobody wants to be unloved or rejected or or, or thought little of. That's how worldly love looks like. And so when when someone uh, hurts us, we don't love them. When someone hurts someone that we love, Uh, We form a judgment about them. We put a barrier up and we probably do not love them in the same way. Uh, When somebody's difficult for somebody else, it doesn't give us pleasant feelings about those other people. Uh, We take offense, we place a boundary, and we stop loving. That's how worldly love works. But Christian love doesn't do that. Christian love doesn't look like that. Christian love presses in. When something is broken, when when there's problems, when there's hurt, Christian love presses in. Christian love begins to pray. 
Christian love pursues. It asks questions. And why is that? Why in our purpose does Christian love look this way? Because at the center of every broken relationship is the absence of God. Or let me put this a different way. At the center of every broken relationship is sin. And the goal of sin or the result of sin is to cause brokenness and division and to separate. But God's intention, God's desire, the goal of God is to bring proximity, closeness, healing, relationships. So Christian love prays and it pursues and it listens and it presses in and it doesn't look like worldly love. Worldly love is easy. It's just based on our feelings, on our thoughts. But Christian love is based on sacrifice and the model of Jesus Christ that he set for us to restore relationships. So with that as our preface, I want to ask you all a question before we get into the text today. I want to ask a few questions. Now, the first one, here's the first question. Would you rather have, okay, would you rather have broken relationships or would you rather have good relationships? That's kind of a dumb question, right? Like, that's just kind of a no-brainer, easy answer, right? We would all rather have good relationships than messed up relationships. Nobody's like, sign me up for the crazy farm. That would be awesome. I would love to live where it's crazy and nobody loves each other. That would be great. No, everybody would rather have good relationships. Let me ask you a little bit of a tougher question. And we're getting to what leads to good relationships, right? Have you ever been introduced to Jesus Christ? Have you ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And then let me continue that question. And are you actively loving others, not based on how they make you feel, but with Christ's perspective? Are you actively, do you know this person of God? Have you received his love? And are you actively right now, am I actively loving others, not on how I feel, but with Christ's perspective? This morning, we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to see that God has provided a manual for us to do just that, a manual to fulfill this purpose that we read about last week in Ephesians chapter 2, a manual on how to love and serve one another in our homes and in our church. We're going to seek to answer the questions, how do I love others well? How do I get Christ's perspective? How do I fight sin and broken relationships? And how do I pursue bringing about, with everything that I can do, close relationships? And I want to give another preface before we dive into the text. Um, If you've been in church before, I'm not going to tell you anything this morning you've never heard before. If you've been in church, you're going to be like, yep, heard that and heard that and heard that. It's a very simple message in some of these scriptures you've read before. But these truths, while we've heard them as Christians, they're so much harder to consistently put into practice. And so my prayer, my hope is is that we just go to God's word, that if you've never heard this before, if you've heard this many times before, that the Holy Spirit would do a work in each of us and move us closer to the life that God has created for us because these things are things that we know but are hard to consistently 
live. So I want to invite you, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to have these verses up on the screen behind me, or you'll, you'll see them at home as well. They're also in the Bibles in front of you, or if you have your own Bible, I encourage you, grab it and flip it open and, 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 and get a pen and, and highlight these words so that you can remember them throughout the week. Uh, the, the passage that we're going to start off with is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And Timothy was a young pastor that the Apostle Paul was mentoring. He was teaching, how, how do you bring about the godliness that God desires in your own life and within the church? What should these relationships look like? And, you know, getting ahead, we're going to see the answer is really clear. How do I love people? I, I need this book. He's given us a guide on how to do it as the church. So let's see what he has to say. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is referring here to Timothy about the example of his mother and his grandmother who had brought him up in the instruction of the Lord, who had brought him up in the scriptures, who had taught him from a young age who God was from all that had been written about God. And he's saying, continue in this, stay with it, stay with those words. Everything they taught you, keep going in it, right? Verse 16, because all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me read that again. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's not a gender-specific pronoun, by the way, the man, the woman, that all of us would be equipped for every good work, that all of us would be complete. Now, in verse 16, it says, all scripture is breathed out. What it means is literally, these words are the words of God for us, to us. This is not a human book written by human authors, but this is God's words that he's given to us. And, and what God did was he used human authors, his servants, and he placed his words into their mind and into their hearts so that they would perfectly write exactly what he wanted to be expressed. And how can he do that? Because he is God. He is sovereign. And so he used his servants to give us the exact truth, his exact words. And many times in the New Testament, they're even quoting literally the words of Jesus as these apostles stood and heard him say these things, much like I'm saying them to you today, except they weren't words from a man. They were words from God himself, and they wrote them down, and they gave us, and here is the word of God breathed for you. Here, here is everything that you need to know as my creation is what this verse tells us. And these words are helpful as a guide to help us to love God and to know him. Jesus summarized all of this, and he said, you, wanna, you want the Cliff Notes, which I love getting the Cliff Notes, right? He said, you want the Cliff Notes version? Here it is, Matthew chapter 22. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
You want to be loved. You want kindness. You want people to forgive. You want people to be in your corner to build you up. Go and do that for others too. And everything you do, love me. And in John, he says, if you're going to love me, this is John 14, 15, he said to his disciples, if you're going to love me, you have to obey what I command. So the first thing I want to point out about if we're going to be these people of love, why did God give us this manual? Because the only way for us to love God, the only way for us to obey him, to trust him, to follow him, and for to love each other is, is to have this book, is to have these words. We do not know fully how to do it apart from that. The imprint of God is in all of us because we are his creation. We all have worth. We all have dignity. We all understand a little bit about love because we are made in his image. But the Bible also tells us in the very beginning that we're broken and we've fallen and we're confused. And that's why we see so much division and sin and pain everywhere, including in the church, right? And so the only way we're going to know how to bring love is to have this book. So I want to ask you a very, very simple but hard question this morning Church, how much of this book is present in the center of my life, of your life? One of the best quotes I've heard about the Bible is that this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Satan wants us to be so busy, which we are, right? Super productive as Americans. We're out there getting stuff done so busy it's so hard for us to get this book into our families into our into our lives and yet it's the opportunity to literally know what's true to know God's heart to know God's mind it's a complete guide to becoming mature so just also no-brainer right I'm just pointing out the obvious the more you read and meditate on this book the more you level up the more mature you get the, the more this book stays dusty, I lost this book at a church, by the way, one time for months, and I came there like, are you Tim Rowley? I'm like, oh, wow, and I was missing my Bible. Thank you, right? The more this book is lost and, and misplaced in our life, we're not maturing. We're not growing. This, this is the guide, and you can get a little bit of it from a sermon. We're reading some of it together right now, but we need it central in our lives, and so just you know, if we want to love God, if we want to know the way, the first thing we need a manual is, is we need to know who he is and what he wants from us. And this teaches us all throughout. It's a wonderful book. I don't have time to unpack all the different sections and everything that's in there, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book from him. And, and this kind of leads into the second thing of, of why we have this book as a guide is this book helps us to fight sin and drifting from God. I want to read Romans chapter 7 verses 21 through 25. This is also the Apostle Paul writing. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against my the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He's very formal. He's talking about his body, his soul, right? Um, is when he's talking about his members. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Paul is putting better words than, than any of us could to this problem we have. We're like, I wanna do good, I wanna be loving God, I don't wanna be a hater. But it just happens. We're just impatient. We're just, you know, when you're driving or in the grocery store, whatever. Like so many ways, we just, we're not always loving. 
We, we paint the wrong image of Christians if we think that we're these holy rollers are perfect. No, you guys are a bunch of sinners. All of y'all. <laughs> Me too, right? We all have this struggle to sin because we're, we're broken. And yet we have this beautiful guy that points us to the person of Jesus that says, I love you just as you are. I love you. Come to me. You're broken and I want to wipe your wounds and I want to guide you and I want to teach you and I want to show you how to be healed in my love and how to live, right? We all have this struggle. Christine and I have been recognizing this and, and some of my stories, uh, because we have young boys, they're just kind of the same. Our life is like stuck in this one chapter right now and that's okay. I'm enjoying it. But we've been noticing that, you know, we think that we're pretty mature in Christ, that we've been walking with God for a while, and we notice, you know, different things about our attitude or our anger or fears or anxieties or stress or how we spend our time. And we've begun to notice slowly, because we're dark sinners, right, that like, oh, wow, I thought I was applying Christ in these areas of my life, and my thoughts weren't actually really that lined up with Scripture, Right? You know, the Bible says with our anger, we'll get frustrated and it's just, ah, and then the Bible says, but don't let the sun go down on your anger. And yet we have a propensity to want to stay stuck in, you know, a, a problem, right? Or anxiety. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. And before you start judging me, church, I know a lot of y'all out there struggle with anxiety, all right? And the Bible says, don't be anxious. Again, sinners. No, I'm just kidding. But... The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, and yet we find ourselves being anxious. It's like, why? Why are these thoughts filling my mind? No, don't be anxious about anything. Lord, I need to come to you right now. Uh, Silas Beckett had, uh, that's our, our youngest boy, he had his first fall this morning. Um, and it wasn't from too far, praise God, it wasn't from up this high, right? But he had his first fall, and, and, and maybe some of you guys are perfect parents and you've never, your babies never fell, right? But Christina, well, me, right? I won't blame my wife, but, but I'm not. So classic dad, right? But he had his first fall from a very low level, okay? But still, uh, I heard the tears. Christina heard the tears. He was, he was right, uh, we were right in the kitchen. He was right over here. And we ran to him, and he was crying and uh, picked him up. And, you know, baby, four-month-old baby. And we're like, are you okay? And he just saw my wife, and he saw me, and he just goes, eh. And he just smiled at us, right? And it, oh, it just took one little second of holding him, picking him up, and he was just so happy. He was like, oh, wow, okay, I guess you're cool. Oh, and we're just, okay, thank you, Jesus. He's okay. He's okay, right? Um, how many times are we not like that, though, church? Do we fall? Do we stumble into sin? And we're just like, oh, that's it. Nobody's going to love me. And Jesus is just there wanting to, and through his word to remind us of truth, to remind us of truth of how much he loves us. Some of us have fallen so many times, we're just used to it, right? We don't even like, we, we're not even looking for someone to love us. We're just like, well, that's it. I'll just fall down and stay here. I'm done, right? We fall so many times, we're not, we, we don't even realize like that's not what God intended for you. Like he actually wants to take care of you and put you in the straps like that should have, um, right? He wants to protect us. Uh, I, I want to say something that's a little more personal with this. You know, uh, just in so many ways we sin, but you know, one of the ways it's a big press in our life is is. The way of the world with sex is not the way of the God with sex. I know many of you guys right now are not married, and yet you're sexually active. Or we're married or not married, and we're succumbing to the sins of pornography. And it, it, once again, it could get like, ooh, crickets. Ooh, just got awkward in church. <laughs> I would love to stand up here as your pastor and be like, never me. 
man, I never have made a sexual sin in my life. I would be the biggest liar. And probably every single one of you would too. In some way, we struggle with that. Why? Because sex is meant to be the greatest expression of relationship, of intimacy. So Satan uses it to be like, no, it's just going to be about pleasure. It's just going to be about your satisfaction. And your relationships aren't that great right now. So just go get it over here. Or don't be patient. Don't wait for marriage that I want to bless you with. Just go get it now. And God's saying, no, I got something better. And so I want to encourage you, church, if if that's a struggle for you, which I know probably for, I don't know, 75% of us this morning probably, right? Don't beat yourself up in guilt. Don't stay there. Don't think God can't redeem you from it. Just say right now, like, God, I confess that struggle to you. But repent of it. Don't stay stuck in it. Right now, if you're sexually active with somebody else and you're not married as a Christian, that is not God's will for your life. And you need to go to that person and say, I love you and I... Let's get married or, I, you know, I don't know. Go talk to Pastor Eddie. He's ready to marry you. If you two Christians and, you know, like, come in, right? Because God has something better and you're doing damage to your relationship. Okay, I got, I got to move on. Whew, running out of time. All right. Finally, God's word and the church. Uh, these verses aren't going to pop up, but just a few verses for you about the church. First Peter 4.10 says, as each of us has received a gift, use that gift to serve one another. And 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another, church, and build one another up just as you are doing. God's word is a roadmap, is a manual to this new life within the church. John 13.35 says, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By all this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for for one another. Once again, God has provided a manual to us on how to love, how to live out this new purpose of loving him and loving one another within the context of the church. He's given us all that we need to do it. And we can begin from wherever we're at in our journey of God with whatever we know to begin to love one another. I wanna, I wanna put up just a, a graphic or an illustration of the church for you for a second. And every illustration or graphic breaks down at some point. So forgive me in my simplicity, okay? But at the center of the church is meant to be God's word. Not a person, not a man, not a building, not anything else, but God's word. Why? Because God's word is the revelation of himself. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is meant to be at the center. If we want to know Jesus, he's revealed to us through his word. So at the center, and then what does God say? And I don't have time to build out to you the whole theology of the church this morning, But in the Cliff Notes version, God calls and equips and asks for a pastor, for a shepherd leader to be the presiding elder over a church and to be the lead servant like Christ, to pray for the church, to shepherd the church, to lay his life down for the church and to call up other pastors and other elders around him that would do the same thing. And at the center of all those relationships within the pastors and the elders of a church should be God's word. And that word should be the center of all the ministry leaders and all the members of the church. And every person within the church is called to serve one another, to love one another, and to be committed to the body of Christ. And some people take leads in leading different ministries and groups and places and inviting each other into their homes for fellowship and Bible studies and small groups, right? And then you have on the outside of that, you have 
what are, what I would say, casual Christians. You know about God. You're here this morning. But, but God really isn't at the center of everything you do yet. And not only his word, but in his community is not at the center. You're not surrounding yourself with other Christians saying, okay, I'm committed to serving you in one of the ministries. Or I'm committed to being in a group. I'm, 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 I'm all in on the church. That's what God wants for all of us, for everyone. And the church is going to go on forever and ever and ever in heaven. And so we're kind of dancing on the outside of the church. That's for me in different seasons of my life. And then on the outside of that, you have people that are just outside of the will of God. They just don't know about his love or they haven't accepted it yet. Many times they've been hurt by something and they've got this wall up and they're standing outside of God. They're standing outside of the church. Church, this book is meant to be at the center of everything. So I wanna challenge you this morning in these relationships for all of us, including myself as a pastor. How much of God's word am I bringing into relationships? Because we're meant to bring God's word into all of our relationships, mentioning it, talking about it. I'm doing, I'll give you a, a really simple example. I'm doing a group Bible plan with some others, which is awesome. You're bringing God's word into your life if you're studying the Bible. You know, one step further we can take it is there's this little feature on our plan to share what we learned that day. So many times we learn something for ourselves and hopefully we're taking it and sharing it with somebody in our life. You can share what, what hits you, what you learn with somebody right there. Same thing at work. I've told a story before of my awesome neighbor that we did a Bible study one time and he put me to shame as a pastor because the next day he took that, what we covered, and he like taught everyone in his office and was sharing scriptures. And I was like, wow, right? He just took it right away. It's not just about personally getting more knowledgeable in this book. It's about sharing this book. And so for this book to be at the center of all of our relationships, we have to share it and draw each other into the center, which is God himself and his word. I also want to ask you, church, what circle are you in right now? Now, to be funny, there can only be one Eddie. And we all know that, right? We, call, we all can't be called to, to spin um, and have crazy jokes, and I won't make fun of him right now. But we're not all called to be the pastor of this church. But I, I can tell you it's God's will for all of us to be members of this body, to be part of this body, to be known by others, to be serving in this body. Are you, are you right now, are you, are you a little bit outside of it and God wants to draw you in and you need to take a step of faith and, and be more active in the church? Or maybe you've never heard about what God's done for you. And I just want to invite you to receive him today because he loves you and has this incredible purpose for you and for your life. I want to share one more last story and, and very similar to a story I shared in a sermon before. Uh, Friday night, uh, I got done everything I was doing for the week and I just decided that my, my oldest boy, two and a half, JB, that we just needed some time together. I could tell. We spend mornings and afternoons together, but we hadn't had any uninterrupted time together in a while. And again, our deal, what we do usually is we go on a bike ride. I've got my, my seat for him on the back, and, and he's big, but he still fits. And, uh, and we just went on a long ride. We went for two hours. We, went, we surprised a friend and showed up at their house. And then we went to the park and the slides. And then some other people from the church just happened to be showing up at the park. So it was so cool. We saw them. We, we drove by the new building. And he got all excited about all the, the diggers and bulldozers and everything out there. And he was ready to go get to work. And I'm like, not today, son. 
Um, and I'm like, that's going to be your church. That's going to be your church. But you know, the church isn't just going to be that building. It's not this building. Church, the church is us. It's us centering our lives on this book and pouring our lives out to one another in love. And we only know how to love with this book, with this book at the center. And, and I tell you that story about my son because it was awesome. We just were so bonded with that time we had together. He came in the door and told his mom everything we did. And, you know, it was just, it was just awesome. And it was different when I was able to spend that time with him. Church, what, what's your walk with God been like? I'm like, not that great of a dad, but I try. I love my boys. I love my boys more than life. I covet those moments with them. Church, your heavenly father wants those moments with you. And we all struggle. We all struggle to prioritize this. And so church, I wanna just give this simple message to say, how can we prioritize this more? Pastors, elders, members, those sitting a little bit on the outside, how can we all draw more into this book? And let's do it. Uh, I was recently given this devotional uh, by a couple that I married. And it was so cool because this book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, was the very first devotional my aunt gave me. I was 16. It was written in Old English. I had no idea what was going on. But I read it faithfully every day because I wanted to know Jesus, thou, this, and then, and wow. But eventually I got some devos that were written in modern English. I just sat there trying to seek Jesus. But this book made a huge impact on me. Church devotionals are helpful. We also just got to go right back to the text. I'm totally out of time now. I'm totally out of time. Let me conclude by just praying for you guys. Would you all pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for these moments together. God, I thank you for the joy that it is to be a church family. I thank you for the joy that it is to come close to you. Father, I I pray that your, your word would, uh, would last beyond these few moments that we have. God, I pray that uh, your word would stick in our minds and our hearts. I pray, God, that we wouldn't leave here just inspired, God, but we would leave here touched by your spirit, God. And I pray that your spirit would overcome discouragement and sin in our life. Just help us to draw near to you and near to one another. Why, Jesus? Because I know that the future of this church looks totally different by the future of what our families look like, the future of what we individually look like. Jesus, uh, a wise man once said that individual sanctification, it leads to community edification. And community edification leads to individual sanctification. God, help us to lean into you so that we can all be more like you and help us to lean into each other so we can all point each other back to you. God, you're the Lord of this church. We love you. And everybody at Grace said, amen. amen. Thank you, church.